As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Heard all across the United States, Canada, and around the world. This is the Bible Answer Man broadcast with Hank Hanegraaff. Hank is president of the Christian Research Institute. At CRI, our desire is to equip you not only to defend the historic Christian faith, but to become a winsome witness to a spiritually hungry but skeptical world, because life and truth matter. To learn more, Or to find resources to help you grow in grace, call 888-7000-CRI or go online to equip.org. That's equip.org. The following program was pre-recorded. And now, here's Hank Hanegraaff. Thank you very much, Randy, and we'll be going to your calls in just a few moments. Do remember our contact information on the web. As always, equip.org via the mail. It's box 8500, Charlotte, North Carolina, zip code 28271. And our resource consultants, they're standing by, awaiting your calls at 888-7000 and the letters C-R-I. A lot of you hanging on, calling in from all over the world. First up, Kevin, listening in Lexington, North Carolina. Hi, Kevin. Hey, Hank. My question is about uh, Calvinism and Arminianism. I've been a long time, grew up in an Arminian Church, but I, I listen to a, a lot of teachers that are in, very strong in the uh, Calvinism. And my question is, um, how do you interpret Romans and Paul's teaching on election and uh, you know versus the tool of theology? Yeah, well, a couple of things. I believe at the Christian Research Institute to what we call mere Christianity, in the words of C.S. Lewis, an essentials unity, non-essentials liberty, and all things charity. Now, do I hold to Calvinism? No. And we actually did a debate on paper, as it were, in the Christian Research Journal, our flagship magazine. And if you go to equip.org, you can see the articles that we did in the journal. The two debate articles both involve a Calvinist, and not an Arminian, but a non-Calvinist. We often get squeezed into the mold of having those polar opposites, as though if you're not Calvinist, you have to be Arminian. So it's a Calvinist versus a non-Calvinist. And the two articles, by title, if you want to look them up, is How Should Christians Approach the Problem of Evil? And then the Divine Sovereignty versus Human Responsibility debate. What's cool about these articles is you can see the best arguments on the part of those who hold to compatibilistic or circumstantial freedom, and then the arguments on the other side from those who hold to libertarian freedom. 
From a personal standpoint, let me say that I grew up in a Calvinist home, and I debated this many, many long hours with my father. I, of course, left the faith when I was fairly young and didn't come back until I was 29 years of age. The interesting part of this is that though I debated this with my father, I have since debated this with many other friends, R.C. Sproul, for example. And I'm talking about not public debates, I'm talking about personal communication. These are the kinds of things we can debate vigorously ultimately don't have to divide over her. Now, that does not in any way mean that I do not think that this is a substantial issue. It is. But I also believe that there are antinomies in Scripture, tensions that are sometimes very, very difficult to resolve. Again, the articles, you can find them at equip.org. Let's go back to the phone lines, talk to Josh. He's listening in Arkansas. Hi, Josh. Hey, thank, thank you for your ministry, buddy. You're welcome. Just a simple question. Uh, in Proverbs, Solomon always used the female pronoun, her or she, for wisdom and knowledge. Why did he pick the female pronoun? Well, the fact of the matter is, if you look at what's going on in the book of Proverbs, you're not dealing with females at all. The idea that somehow or other you are dealing with females is simply dismissed by the context itself. Uh, the watchtower by the way, the Jehovah's Witness use Proverbs 8, 22 through 24 to try to prove that Christ was created. But, but how can the wisdom of God be created? It is as eternal as God himself. And, and, and wisdom is personified as a woman in many places. I mean, you can find wisdom personified as a woman in Proverbs chapter 9. And we don't suppose that wisdom is a female that is living with another female named Prudence. Obviously, there are no female messiahs. So I think what's important, again, to recognize is that this in no way should have anything to do with gender whatsoever, as though even if you are pointing this to God, God has no gender. He surpasses all gender designations. Let's go back to the phone lines. Next up is Mark, listening in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Hi, Mark. Hi, Hank. Thanks for taking my call. Appreciate your ministry. Um, I've got a daughter who, uh, she's been involved with YWAM for the last uh, year and a half or so, and she just came back home to visit us. She was on a mission trip to Africa and all these other places, and she's, she's come back where she's telling us basically that God tells her Somebody has a knee problem, so she'll go and ask them uh, if they can, if she can pray for them. And and she, she says she's walking down the street, and God will tell her a joke, and she'll laugh. And um, we're just a little concerned, and I wanted to know what your opinion was on YWAM, and uh, if there's any advice you can give me, because um, our daughter can be rather sensitive, you know, when we second guess her, and so we want to be careful to uh, to respect her and what have you. But uh, anything you can tell me with this. Yeah, what I would uh, say in a general sense is that it really depends on who is teaching in what particular segment of the YWAM organization. There are good teachers and there are teachers that are not so good within the organization and are given to the kinds of hysteria that you are describing. Now, I'm certainly not suggesting that God cannot speak to people, that God does not speak to people. But I wouldn't call this something that is normative, nor would I think that people are walking down the street with God telling them jokes. So I, I think what we want to do 
is look at this within the context of a biblical worldview and judge the teachers in that context as well. Remember, we are not to cause judgments self-righteously or hypocritically. We are, however, to judge, and when we do, use a correct judgment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did notice we went to visit her. She had a few books that were either written from a Bethel author or a Bethel church basically endorsed the book, and that was a you know flashing uh, warning light for me right there. And I was trying to tell her that uh, it seems to me that what she's going through is is a learning. Um, she's learning basically this pattern of how to live a Christian life rather than, you know, spending time in the Word of God and and just absorbing the Holy Spirit that way. She seems to be learning all these different traits from these charismatic movements, and we're just really concerned about that. But uh, Well, it's not just the charismatic movements. I mean, there has been a tremendous infiltration into YWAM of Word of Faith teachers, as well as counterfeit revivalists. I wrote a book called Counterfeit Revival. Uh, if you want to get the details on some of the people that you mentioned, you can find those details in the book Counterfeit Revival. So the premise, again, goes back to what I said earlier. It really depends on the particular YWAM outreach or place in the world and teacher that is there. There are some really good teachers within YWAM, but there are also some pretty bad influences. Okay, well, appreciate it. Thank you. You got it. Thank you so much for your call. Let's go back to the phone lines and talk to Tim. He's listening in Nashville, Tennessee. Hi, Tim. Hi, how are you this evening? I'm doing well, thank you. My daughter's doing research now, and she, uh, she's she gone to the apologetic class, and she's she's dealing with this, and she's coming to me with questions about Job. Um, and her more poignant question is, uh, how could God uh, put up uh, Job almost as a sacrifice to Satan to do with as he pleased, um, and the, and she says she remembers all the sermons and everything else, but, but, uh, she's wondering, it could it be just mistranslation that she's reading and, and how that plays out? Well, I think it's really important to realize that in the book of Job, we read that God thunders back through the storm when Job asks the question, why? Remember that God is saying is the ineffable He is saying, how can you ask me why when you can't even understand how I make a tiny drop of dew? You don't understand what is going on in the heavenlies, but you are called to trust me despite whether or not you understand. And that is, I think, the ultimate message for Christians to take away from the book of Job. God has revealed enough about himself particularly in the person work of Jesus Christ, but also in the panoply of Scripture so that we can trust Him. So we don't ask the why question. We trust God in the midst of our whys. By the way, I've done sort of a dissertation on Job in a couple of different places. One, my book, Christianity in Crisis, 21st Century. Another place, it's either in the prayer of Jesus or the covering. I can't remember which, but... You can find all of those resources on the web at equip.org. We'll be back in just a few moments with more answers to your questions. So please don't touch that dial. 
In The Lord of the Rings, Tolkien's character Faramir voices the thoughts of countless soldiers throughout history. War must be, while we defend our lives against a destroyer who would devour all. But I do not love the bright sword for its sharpness, nor the arrow for its swiftness, nor the warrior for his glory. I love only that which they defend. If you too love what together we defend, our faith, biblical truth, and our freedoms, become a member of CRI's support team today by calling 888-7000-CRI. And as our thanks, Hank Hanegraaff will personalize to you a copy of his black leather-bound, silver-embossed, complete Bible answer book, Collector's Edition, revised and updated. Call 888-7000-CRI or visit our website at equip.org. That's 888-7000-CRI or simply visit our website at equip.org. Hank Hanegraaff will be back right after the break. The Christian Research Journal is CRI's award-winning magazine, combining eye-catching design with well-researched articles to equip believers in doctrine, defense, and discernment. The Christian Research Journal's primary commitment is to contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. In keeping with this commitment, the journal's mission is both evangelistic and pastoral, furthering the proclamation and defense of the historic gospel of Jesus Christ and helping his followers distinguish between essential Christian doctrine and doctrine that is peripheral, aberrant, or heretical. In an age of subjectivism and moral relativism, may Christians ground their faith and values in the objective, reliable testimony of Holy Scripture. Start your subscription to the Christian Research Journal today. Call 888-7000-CRI or go online to equip.org. That's equip.org. Bertrand Russell famously said, most people would rather die than think, and many of them do. Not so with CRI support team members. Support team members are not only serious thinkers, but their membership in CRI's support team helps to equip hundreds of thousands of fellow believers around the globe each and every month. Are you not a member? Then you're missing out. Not only do support team members form the backbone of Christian Research Institute's outreaches, but they enjoy their selection of resources from our Equipping Essentials Library and receive a complimentary subscription to CRI's award-winning Christian Research Journal, just two of the benefits of membership. To discover how you can make a difference 24-7 in equipping believers at home and abroad to stand for life and truth, check out the benefits of membership at equip.org. Breaking the code of the book of Revelation has become an international obsession. The result has been rampant misreading of scripture, bad theology, and even bad politics and foreign policy. In the Apocalypse Code, find out what the Bible really says about the end times and why it matters today. Hank Hanegraaff argues that the key to understanding the last book of the Bible is the other 65 books of the Bible, not current events or recent history. The Apocalypse Code offers sane answers to some very controversial questions such as, what does it mean to take the book of Revelation literally? Who are the Antichrist and the Great Whore of Babylon? 
And what is the real meaning of 666? Order The Apocalypse Code by Hank Hanegraaff today. Available in soft cover, MP3 CD, or MP3 download from equip.org or call 888-7000-CRI. Now back to the Bible Answer Man broadcast and your host, Hank Hanegraaff. Thank you very much, Randy. Back to the phone lines. Kimberly, listening in Virginia. Hi, Kimberly. Hi, Hank. How are you this evening? I'm doing well, thank you. Good. I just had a quick question. Um, I've heard it, it said many times by other pastors or even hearing others pray, and I wanted to make sure I got a clear, a clear understanding of Matthew 18 and 18 that says, to be bind, um, binding and loosened. What is your uh, understanding of what that means, or what Jesus was referring to? Sure, well, you're going to look at the context. Uh, when Jesus told the disciples, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, the famous passage from Matthew chapter 16, he was not talking about demons. He's talking here about discipline. In other words, in the context of church discipline, those who repent are to be loosed. And what that means is they are to be restored to fellowship. Conversely, those who persist in sin are to be bound. That's the inverse. It means removed from fellowship. Now, those who try to read demons into the context are simply misled because this is completely foreign to the context. Humans are not authorized anywhere in Scripture to bind or loose Satan. Even the archangel Michael did not tackle Satan on his own. Despite wisdom and power, he, of course, called on God to rebuke Satan. And therefore, I, I think the Christians should not suppose that they are smart enough to engage Satan on their own. Rather, they, like Michael, ought to pray. And you'll find this in Jude 9. They ought to pray, the Lord rebuke you. And, and I think there's another point that I ought to make in this regard, and that is while it makes sense to ask the Lord to bind the power of demons in the sense of thwarting their plans to undo us, to loose Satan and his minions <laughs> makes no sense whatsoever. And therefore the common sense aspect of this ought to be enough to convince us that biblically speaking, binding and loosing has nothing whatsoever to do with demons. Now, do we want to bind the power of Satan? Can we use that word uh, in our vocabulary? Yes, appropriately, but that's not what's going on in the famous context of Matthew chapter 16. Oh, great. Thank you so very much. That gives me a much better understanding of, of what that is. I even hear people saying binding blessings and loosened blessings, and I just didn't really understand that when I was reading it. So thank you so much. You got it. I want to deal with a very significant question. In a lot of these questions I answer in a book called The Complete Bible Answer Book, Collector's Edition, which is available through the Ministry of the Christian Research Institute. But this question I've wanted to deal with for a long time. It comes from Bart. It's an email question, and it is as follows. Bart writes, I have a question related to the cleansing of the temple by Jesus. 
It's recorded in John chapter 2 and also in the Synoptic Gospels. The Synoptic Gospels are clear about the event occurring at the beginning of Jesus' last week. John, however, appears to be an earlier event. My question, therefore, is did Jesus clear the temple more than once? Well, the answer to that question is yes. Uh, and, 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 and let me cash this out a bit, because it's a question that's come up quite frequently, and sometimes even in the sense of disputing what the Bible says. Bart Ehrman is the quintessential example of someone who wants to take the text and render the text incoherent. But we should note that none of the gospel writers so much as hint at the notion that Jesus cleansed the temple only once. And therefore, it's entirely plausible to reconcile the gospel accounts by presuming that Jesus cleansed the temple both at the beginning and the end of his public ministry. Not only that, but there's no reason to suppose that Jesus cleansed the temple only twice. All you need to do is recall what the disciples remembered right after Jesus drove out the money changers the very first time. Zeal for your house will consume me. So defiling the place in which the Shekinah glory of God dwelt is no trifling matter. Not only so, but as should be evident, not every action that Jesus took was recorded. If every one of them were, I suppose, as John puts it, not even the whole world would have room for the books that would or could be written. And a last point I would make in this regard is that we should note the pattern of the gospel writers. Inevitably, they present complementary details that serve to flesh out the rest of the story. So far from contradictory, which happens to be the fallback position of the critics, far from contradictory, they're quite obviously complementary. If every gospel writer presented his account in precisely the same fashion, the critics would correctly say collusion. So the very fact that a number of plausible resolutions can be forwarded negates the assertion that the accounts are not reconcilable. Seeking to debunk the Bible, as I said, has become a profitable cottage industry. But what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? This question, again, is brought up because it's one of many alleged contradictions that supposedly demonstrate that the Bible is not reliable. But going back to what Thomas Aquinas said, there can be no falsehood anywhere in the literal sense of the Holy Scriptures. And the more that I study Scripture, and the more I encounter such apparent contradictions, the more I am reassured that these are indeed words that are inspired by Almighty God. Let's go back to the phone lines. Noah listening in Riverside, California. You're up next. Hi, Noah. Um, do I say that? Yeah. How did Satan like get sin in him when he's in heaven? How old are you, Noah? Seven. Seven. That's a really good question. Well, remember that everything is immediately in the presence of God. And so in 
the story that we're told in Scripture, again, inspired Scripture, we're told that Satan had a conversation with God, or God had a conversation with Satan. And in the context of that conversation, I'm going to give you a big word, you might want to ask your dad about this or your mom, there is the use of what is called anthropomorphisms. Now that's a big word, but let me try to explain that to you. It is God explaining things to us in the way that we as humans might be able to understand. So oftentimes I try to do that with my kids. I have 12 kids. My youngest, I'm explaining something to him in the car when we're traveling to Chattanooga. And I'm explaining something to him and I'm using really kind of simple language. He's go, Dad, I get what you're saying. So oftentimes I find out that the kids understand a whole lot more than we think that they understand. But anthropomorphism is God revealing something to us in a way in which we can understand. And what we have revealed in the story of Job and Satan's encounter with God in that context is we have a story of ultimate faith. And that ultimate faith, and I mentioned this earlier on in the broadcast, that ultimate faith is trusting God even when we do not understand. So there are a lot of things that happen in life, and we just don't know, Noah, why those things happened. But the one thing we can be assured of as we read through the Word of God, and I hope you do that with your mom and dad, and I hope you do that in many different contexts, because it is the Word of God that feeds our souls, and it's prayer by which we can have a dialogue with God. But the one thing we can know for certain is nothing will ever happen to you before it first passes through the filter of God's love. And so we can have ultimate faith in God. Faith is a channel of living trust between you, Noah, and God. And faith is only as good as the object in whom it is placed. So if your faith is in your own faith, that's not good faith. But if your faith is in God, God will never fail you. And though you don't always understand why, God has a purpose for everything that happens in your life. He works all things, as the Apostle Paul put it, for good to those who love the Lord and are the called according to his purposes. Out of time for this edition of the Bible Answer Men broadcast. My apologies to those still hanging on. Uh, we'll be right back here tomorrow with more answers to your questions. And do remember, we do what we do because life and truth really matter. And we're asking people to stand with us prayerfully and financially in the battle for life and truth. Again, thanks for tuning in to today's edition of the Bible Answer Men broadcast. Look forward to seeing you right back here tomorrow with more of the show. Thank you for joining us for the Bible Answer Man broadcast. In today's post-truth culture of confusion, the Christian Research Institute exists to equip listeners like you with answers to communicate the gospel of hope to a world in desperate need of life and truth. Because life and truth matter. In addition to truth, we want to equip you with life, not simply to know about God, but truly to know Him. Experiencing union with Christ enables us to live life not merely by our own energy, but with the energy of the Lord Jesus working powerfully through us. For more information, call 888-7000-CRI. That's 888-7000-CRI. You can also write CRI at Post Office Box 8500, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28271. 
or just visit us online at equip.org. That's equip.org. The Bible Answer Man broadcast is funded by listeners like you. We're on the air because life and truth matter. The Christian Research Journal is CRI's award-winning magazine, combining eye-catching design with well-researched articles to equip believers in doctrine, defense, and discernment. The Christian Research Journal's primary commitment is to contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. In keeping with this commitment, the journal's mission is both evangelistic and pastoral, furthering the proclamation and defense of the historic gospel of Jesus Christ and helping his followers distinguish between essential Christian doctrine and doctrine that is peripheral, aberrant, or heretical. In an age of subjectivism and moral relativism, may Christians ground their faith and values in the objective, reliable testimony of Holy Scripture. Start your subscription to the Christian Research Journal today. Call 888-7000-CRI or go online to equip.org. That's equip.org.